When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Welcome back, everyone, to the Flow Track Podcast. I'm Kevin Sully. Podcast at gmail.com is the email address. If you're watching live on YouTube, jump in the comments. Leave us a remark there. Gordon, wearing the magic sweater again today, I see. How are you doing? Okay, I can wear this shirt. It's not like just because I wore it one time last week or technically twice. Two times. Oh, two weeks ago. Doesn't mean I can't wear it this week. It's a clean shirt. It's clean. It's green. I like it. All right. That's good. Uh, I'm not making fun of you. I'm giving it special powers. I'm saying it's a great sweatshirt, and I want to see it. You are making fun of me. It's fine. Listen, people made fun of my microphone on This Week in Track, or they just make fun of my microphone constantly. So I just wanted to even the playing field here. They they don't like the positioning uh, of the mic. Uh, That is kind of funny if you look at the mic. It is enormous. Yeah. I'm getting one of those desk attachments soon it's coming tonight actually thursday night actually i'm finally leveling up but it's so you know i could put it right here in front but that's like weird and i gotta be able to get to my laptop to do stuff so and the the desks that everybody puts stuff on here but i appreciate people reaching out uh concerned about the mic i am going to get an attachment so it will not look as strange got some good comments though someone while I was there getting roasted, someone put, hey, I like all the new videos you guys are doing. Hey. That's good. That's that's good. That one guy or girl, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> I watched your ranking show. You posted yeah. it late last night, the NCAA track and field ranking show. That's one of the shows that's up on YouTube. I got the flow track ranking show, which is coming out tomorrow, race breakdowns, uh, and then this week in track. So we got four things plus the pod that are going up. So. Please subscribe. Go check it out if you haven't. I mean, you can go because you want to see the microphone, but stay because you want to see me make a Houston Rockets reference and a Wordle reference in recapping the weekend track and field. But check it all out on our YouTube page if you can. Um, Right before we started, Gordon, sometimes it's good that you're late because stuff happens right in that 10 minutes in terms of press releases. People are like, I got to get that thing out at, you know, top of the hour. And then we got another one today. We got the Milrose men's 800 field. And the, the men's and women's 800 are always the most interesting events, I think, of the indoor season. Just because you get some big names showing up. You don't get everybody, but 800 meter runners are willing to run indoors. And I love it. So here is the field right now. Michael Cerrone, Bryce Hopple, Isaiah Jewett, Charlie Hunter, Jesus Lopez. Um, the list goes on and on there. Isaiah Harris will be running. So initially I was a little bummed because I want to see Brazier back. I want to see Brazier mix it up in this field, coming off the injury, see what sort of shape he's in. So I was a little disappointed. And remember going back to last year, the whole Brazier, Hopple, not racing each other thing became a storyline. But then I find out, Gordon, Donovan Brazier's in the 400. And I know that we don't like people running off distance, but this is an exception because of how good Brazier can be in the 400. And I just want to see what type of time he's able to put down. Yeah, he's quoted saying, I look forward to the challenge. And it is also a part of me plan. Wait, wait, I'm, man, I'm dyslexic today. <laughs> I look forward to the challenge. And it's also part of our plan for continued improvement in the 800. So he's saying he still wants to do the 800. And yes. it's a buildup. But 
I don't know. I mean, I'm just going to say this. I have a feeling he has the ability to run an incredible 400, but we're not going to get an incredible 400 from him first race back from an injury plague season. Like we could like build this up. as a big hype. You're like, Whoa, Donovan Brazier in a 400. Whoa. What mm-hmm. can we see? I think at the end of the day, it's Donovan Brazier in a rust buster race. Like he's going to probably run 45 seconds. 45 is pretty cool. indoors. That's pretty fast. You wouldn't get excited. About yeah, but he has the ability to run a 43, you know, so it's going to be like, all right. Okay. Listen, I'm going to be that person who gets really excited about Diamond Brazier running a 400. You can't take that from me, Gordon. Don't take my enthusiasm Diamond Brazier, away. Diamond Brazier running like the 400 at USA indoors, then, I, then okay. Then I'm excited. Okay, but here's the thing with Brazier. I think you're going to have a – I mean, I think it shows that he's obviously confident in his health because 400 uh, indoors. We talked about this with the thing, Mo, right? There's there's some risk involved in running a fast quarter indoors with the tight turns. So I, I think it shows he's really confident in, in how healthy he is. Yes, first, first uh, choice, I would have him in the eight, especially against his field because his field's really good. But I'm just saying that the drop-off to second race isn't that good. It's not like we're having somebody run a 300 or a 500 or someone that we're not really curious about their 400 ability running a 400. So you're not going to take this from me, Gordon. I am excited about Donovan Brazier running a 400 at Milrose. What do you think of that 800 field? Just to jump back to that for a second. Yeah, I mean, uh, Sruni kind of had a good beginning of the year and kind of fell off at the end, wasn't able to make that. World, I think I don't think he made the Olympic final. Hopple also kind of had an up and down type year, um, so I guess I'm I'm excited to see the type of form Hopple's in. I'm excited to see how Jewett uh, handles his first year as a pro. Charlie Hunter, same thing, first year as a pro, um, and then Isaiah Harris, who's now fresh off a a new Brooks deal. Um, is he still in the same form that he's been for the past few years? It's really just going to be like, all right, where's everyone at? That's like, are, are people yeah. ahead of schedule, behind schedule? It's what I'm, that's what I'm going to get out of this race. It's like, where, is, where are they at right now? That makes sense. I think it's, it's a pretty good in, indicator, though, in the past. Remember when Brazier was setting the world on fire indoors, and then he was able to carry that through the outdoor season hopple obviously has run well indoors in the past too not a perfect guarantee but tampa eagle mentions he's doing like a thing in sydney last indoor season yeah that's part of it the difference with the mclaughlin like her event her main event isn't really there whereas brazier's event is available for him to run i'm excited to see it i i hope that we get some eights from him but the fact that he's running a quarter also who else is going to be in this field because oftentimes they clear the field for the big star. But if you're going into a different event, you're telling me there's no 400-meter guy that's going to want to run at Milrose? I think there's going to be some guy who's legit who can give him a really good race. Yeah, but you're not going to get the Michael Normans, the, you know, Fred Curley uh, coming back to the 400. It's hard, it's hard to get the best 400 runners to do it. You know what I mean? Because they are like, hey, yeah. But even my a body guy on that curve isn't isn't too friendly. Having a forty six ninety having your own lane for four hundred meters also sucks. Yeah, forty six ninety one is his indoor PB, which is actually faster than his outdoor PB. He said he wants to do four by fours. He's talked very big about his potential in the quarter. Had some really good splits. Maybe he's playing the long game. Maybe this isn't about his long term development in the eight. Maybe he wants to plant the seed. For selection for the world championship four by four team, I'm gonna go with that theory. If I don't think uh, USATF will be doing a good due diligence if they're selecting a four by four squad based <laughs> off of an indoor 400 mark, just just putting that out in, <laughs> you don't, in uh, January. You wouldn't like that though. I think you'd like that. That would appeal to you. Oh, I would, uh, I would like it for Donovan Brazier's sake, but I'm sure there's a lot of people like, really, we're gonna go off of Donovan Brazier's random Milrose 400 <laughs> as a Litmus test? No. Hey, run fast enough. Nobody beats the time, and then he's good to go. I think that's the step one, two, and step two, uh, three here. All right. So 
let's move on here. Let's let's look at this rundown. This rundown's kind of all over the place. I want to get back to um I want to get back to indoors in general um in the second half of the show. Um you see the story about the Jamaican bobsled team, Gordon? They're back. Jamaica's got a bobsled team. Three. They qualified a four-man, a two-man, and a women's monobob, which is just one person in the bobsled. Congrats to them. It's exciting. Are there any the- uh, track athletes on the squad? I know? looked at... I looked at the roster. Nobody's name jumped out to me. I saw the four-man got the last spot in. So there's over 20, almost 30 teams, it looks like, that get in. So it's a long shot for the medals. But the Winter Olympics are just more exciting when Jamaica has a bobsled team in it. So... Here's a question for you. Who is more likely, what, over, under, no, hold on, not over, under. Who is more likely to get more medals? A Jamaican bobsled team or a men's Jamaican sprinter? 200 oh, and wow. down. Not women's. Obviously, we know the women's are going to get their medals. Yeah. They got two of the fastest, maybe even three of the fastest people in the world right now. But how many uh, men's medals, 200 and down, not four by one. I'm not going to count the four by one. 200 yeah. and 100 versus the three bobsled events. Who gets more medals? Do they both get zero? Does bobsled eke out a bronze? Does this male sprinter out there somewhere eke out a bronze? Because ever since Bolt left, it's been just the women carrying that country, you know, sprint-wise. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think? I mean, Maybe it will one ten hurdles like, does not count. One ten hurdles yeah, does not count. Right? Yeah, one ten hurdles has been good for the for Jamaica. Maybe it'll be exactly like track, and the women's monobod participant will be a superstar, and then the men will be off the podium. Um, yeah. Did you know, Gordon? Since twenty sixteen, no Jamaican man has broken nine ninety wind legal in the hundred. I have not known that, but now I do. And I appreciate that fun fact that I'm going to use at my local pub later this weekend. <laughs> after, after Bolt's medal in the 100 in London, 2017, things went completely downhill. 200, they didn't get a medal. Four by one, they obviously didn't finish. 2018, there was no global championships. Then you go to 2019, they got one finalist in the 100 who got fifth. They didn't get anybody in the 200. The four by one went out in the semis. Then you fast forward to 2021, nobody in the 100, and then one finalist in the 200. It's been a pretty precipitous drop off for Jamaica. There were hints of this for a while, but it's dropped off pretty dramatically. And here's here's the fastest times by the Jamaicans over the last couple of years in the 100. This is just 100. Uh, 2021, 995, Johan Blake, which was tied for 15th best in the world. 2020, weird year. Uh, Julian Forte, 10.03, 6th. 2019, 9.96, Blake tied for 10th. 2018, Blake, 9.94, tied for 11th. There's a lot of countries ahead of Jamaica. Now, the women are great. The hurdles have been really good. But the men have been struggling. So, yeah, I, I think they need the bobsled performance to help bring up the men's sprinters. Podcast to turn into like a dunking on the men's sprinters of Jamaica, which I kind of started because I opened up the question with it. But, you know, hey, I think that's what happens when you have two of the greatest of all time on the women's side. It's going to equilibrium it out by like, hey, well, you're going to be pretty bad on the other side. That You can't have... Greatness on both sides. You have to, if all the greatness is going to be sucked away from the men, it's going to go all into the women. So, well, 2012, uh, they were pretty good. They got that, the men got the sweep in the 200. Yeah, but they had this guy named Usain Bolt. Yeah, well, that's the thing. That's the thing. You had Bolt and then you had Blake. Blake was good, obviously, didn't ascend to Bolt levels, which nobody can expect. But then, even in the Bolt and Blake 
era, you had guys like, you know, Freighter out there, you know, guy, really solid guys. Powell, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Safa Powell. And, and the transition's never been made. And I guess it'd be a longer conversation to figure out you know, why that is on the men's side. But these are just numbers. I mean, I'm not trying to dunk on them. Those are legit numbers. I mean, nobody under 990 since 2016. You count up, and it's not just the U.S. Jamaica thing. Look at other countries and the depth that they have. You know, Great Britain, South Africa, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of countries who are putting out better performances year in, year out. And I wonder, like, who is going to be the next guy for Jamaica? That's an interesting question, too. Is it going to be somebody who's coming up through the college system? Or is it going to be somebody who stays in Jamaica, a la Bolt and Blake, and makes a big splash at Champs or one of those meets and, and stays there? That's what I'm interested to see, because I don't think they're going to be down this low for very long. But right now, you know, they're not a factor. Uh, Anthony Rock just mentioned the U.S. sprinters have performed worse than the Jamaicans. Um, no. And uh, one Don just said Heja what? Gale what? will medal next year. Uh, I mean, yes, the, the men's 4 by one has been trash, but in the individual events in the 100 and 200, U.S. men have been way better than Jamaicans on the men's side. On the women's side, the Jamaican yeah. women have been 10 times better than the Women, like U.S. women's sprinting is basically the equivalent of men's Jamaican sprinting right now. No, I think I think they have more of a hope. There's glimmers there as well for the U.S. women. Do we Richardson can, I mean, Richardson can get a medal. If a Jamaican man wins a medal in the 100 or 200 next year, it's an upset. I know people are big on Gale, and that's great. Long jumper going over the sprints. But that would be an upset. I think for the women, there's a path for a U.S. woman to get a medal with without too many crazy things happening. Also, I don't know, man. I think also, the odds of a male Jamaican meddling is the same as a women's U.S. sprinter meddling. But the in competition, the but the competition is so much harder in the women's too because you have Thompson Hurrah and Fraser Price running all-time times, so you can excuse other nations for not being as good on the men's side. It's wide open, right? Because there is no. Bolt. We just saw Lamont Jacobs come out of nowhere and win a gold medal. It's ripe for the picking if people want to get in there and, and get a medal and they're not able to do it and they're not able to get under 990. I think the U.S. should be better. They have so many more people than, than Jamaica. It's not a slam on Jamaica, but they were so good. They had that moment. The men did for so long. The women still have it, and it's incredible. But I, I do think somebody eventually is going to be able to to break through. I just don't know who it is. And you, listen, the U.S. men didn't get a bunch of sprint medals in in Tokyo. Gold medals, excuse me. But they got a lot of medals. And then you go back to Doha, they won the 100, and they won the 200. And they got a medal in the 400. So, and they won the 4 by one So you only have to go back one championship to find where the U.S. had success at the top of the podium. I'm just excited that Jamaica has a bobsled team. We're going to yeah. watch Cool Runnings in a few weeks. Get excited. However, I heard Cool Runnings isn't 100% factual. I've read, rumor, I've read things that like they kind of Disney-fied really? it and embellished a few things, unfortunately. But I thought it was straight up a documentary. I didn't know it was a little, little bit not 100% accurate. Here's a good comment. All in the Game says, U.S. has so much more depth and resources. The fact that others have been able to compete over the last decade has been great for the sport, but it's also cyclical. Yes. I agree with pretty much everything in that statement. And right now, they're at a, the Jamaican men are at a low point in the cycle. It doesn't mean they can't get back up. But it also makes you appreciate when they were up and how crazy it was. One, two, three in London. All those gold and silver years with Bolt and Blake. You know, Bolt fall starts in Daegu. Oh, man, you lost the fastest man in the world. No problem. Johan Blake's right there. He gets gold. That was an impressive run. And I think people just thought it was going to continue forever, and it's not. Did you see that new um, Shakari Richardson film trailer? I did. I did. Um, hold on a second. Oh, Gabby. Th oh, yeah. Gabby Thomas medaled. 
That's why I said 100. Gabby's good. 200 women are a little bit better. Okay. Sorry. sorry. Anyway, back to here. Yeah, there's a lot on, of comments. Man. Anytime we talk about anytime we talk about Jamaica, there's always comments, and, and I'm lagging. Uh, did I see the trailer? Yes. So, executive produced by the late Virgil Abloh. I saw that it was shot over two days at the U.S. Olympic trials. Got the description right here. It says, a rumination on time, loss, and hope, and a poetic imagining on the quest of Shakira Richardson, a young track and field athlete, to achieve her dream of qualifying for the Olympic Games. The interesting thing is, with Richardson, obviously she has a very interesting backstory, but what came next right after this point when they were filming is where people would really be interested in seeing the story. You know, when she's disqualified from the trials and can't run in the Olympics and then has to come back and compete at the Prefontaine Classic. Like that part of the story to me is is captivating as well. But she is, she's an athlete that, People are intensely, intensely following what the this thing's what, 25, 25 minutes. I'll tune in. Yeah, twenty four minutes. Comes out, I think it comes out Thursday. I'll tune in. I have questions. Couple. So I'm I have a feeling it's not gonna be what we think it's gonna be. I mean, again, this is all based off a trailer, a, a you know, an eighty second trailer. But I think we might expect a certain type of story being told and then we're going to get a different story and we're going to be like, ah, like we're going to want more. Like, I think a lot of viewers kind of with the whole, you know, rise of really good sports documentaries, uh, Flojack mm-hmm. does them. You guys watch them. NAU running with the boys. Very running good. with the boys. About, you know, like there's that, you know, that cheer documentary on Netflix. Everyone's right. talking about that formula one thing. And, people probably think every time a sports documentary comes out, it's going to be like that. But mm-hmm. the way I watch this trailer, again, only 90 seconds of footage I'm seeing, it feels like it's going to – I was surprised they didn't talk at all about the suspension in it. Mm-hmm. And you think that she would want to – that that would be like the story. It would be like you just ran one the fastest time in the world, and then mm-hmm. you got banned, and you had to re- – deal with that situation, yeah. that shitty situation, how you're going to overcome it going into next year and all these different things, you know, dealing with the mother's death and all that. Right. And, but the way the title of the sh- film is sub 11 seconds mm-hmm, mm-hmm. was like, I don't know about you, but like when I think of Shikari Richardson, I don't think of like her achieving a feat of breaking 11 seconds because mm-hmm. college kids do that. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people do that. Like, when you think of Shakira Richardson, you think of coming out of nowhere as a freshman at LSU, not just breaking 11 seconds, but running 10 sevens mm-hmm. and putting her name on the map and then her name again taken off the map because of a bullshit marijuana rule and then uh, going up against Jamaicans, losing that, and now she's going to have to rally back in 2022 to kind of mm-hmm. get her redemption from her high to her low, get back to that high, right? Yeah. And I don't know, Sub 11 Seconds, which is the name of this movie, just seems like, mm, is it going to be about that? So, I mean, I'll watch it, and I mean, I'm judging a book by its cover because I'm judging a book by its trailer, but I have a feeling it's not going to be what we want it to be. That's it, all I'm saying. Well, when it said it shot over two days of the trials, that to me leads me to believe that that stuff's not going to be in it because it hadn't happened yet. The suspension hadn't happened yet. So. I think what you're arguing for is a longer piece, which I think most people would be into because that's almost where the story begins is at trials. Yeah, she qualifies for the Olympic team, but then there's this suspension and then she doesn't get to compete in Tokyo and all the attention and the commentary that went along with it was unlike anything we had seen in track recently. And it's the reason why so many people are familiar with with Richardson. I also saw, now don't ask me how I found this. I was on Twitter uh, late last night. I couldn't sleep. I was scrolling. And then somebody I follow happened to be a celebrity Big Brother fan, which I didn't know that that's what they were into. And they tweeted this like fan account, this insider celebrity Big Brother account that supposedly is leaking the contestants for the celebrity Big Brother house. And Richardson is on the list. 
So I don't know if this is confirmed yet, but she is there. Now, she is there with like three people I recognize and <laughs> the rest, I have no clue who, who those people are. Maybe it shows how out of touch I am, but Lamar Odom is there. Uh, Neo, I am familiar with, but a lot of names on here I, I had not heard of. But this is track and field, Gordon, getting into mainstream American culture. It's kind of like remembering Great Britain. Mo Farah was on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of There, and all a bunch of other reality shows. Yeah, I, I sometimes forget that reality shows are still a thing. Like, this is season 14 of Celebrity Big Brother, let alone how, mm -hmm. many, how many Big Brother seasons do you think there are? Wait. Yes. No, no. It, no, 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 no. It's not celebrity. It's not four, season 14 of Celebrity Big Brother. There's 14 celebrities on it. I did some research. Oh. I don't think we're that There's deep into the Celebrity Big Brother catalog. We're, tw we're 23 seasons of Big Brother on in yeah. the American side. 23. I remember the first one. I think we're in the 40s for Survivor. It's anyway. Yeah. I, I stuck with Survivor a lot longer than celebrity big brother or big brother i think i did the first season of big brother and then and then i was out i saw that they do challenges so i think it'd be fantastic if one of the challenges involved running it would just be hilarious to me if shakari gets a lineup like you have to sprint from one side of the house to the other during this challenge and just just yeah but the thing is like some, it, some of these people there's probably not much real estate i could see potentially i mean if you have longer legs like lamar odom if it's only going like forty, oh, it's feet. a big house. It's a, it's a big house, Gordon. They got a backyard. Yeah, I but there's gonna be there's gonna be like benches in the way, couches, tables. It's it's not gonna be just a, a clean track with spikes and blocks and you know fully automatic timing. It's gonna be a backyard. And backyard, there are no rules, right? So I don't know. I could see I don't know. her I'll... tripping up on a on a hose or something. I'll take her over Neo and all these other people in a a walkover J jillian michaels is she's the fitness person uh, na that name sounds familiar american personal trainer I think so yeah yeah jillian michaels so she's obviously in shape so she might give her a run on some of the other athletic stuff but i'm going richardson in all this stuff i hope this i hope this happens this be this be interesting to watch i think well, they how, film what do you those... get when you win what do you win okay i looked it up you get less than regular Big Brother. I think you get two hundred and fifty thousand, and regular Big Brother, I think you get seven hundred fifty thousand. Does a celeb get it, or does it go to charity? It just said that's the winning prize. Because typically, people are like celebrities. You, you're not allowed to win money. You have to give it to charity. Hmm. I mean, tough. It's fourteen people. Long odds. That's a lot of commitment. I I don't know how long they shoot it over. I remember with Farah, there was the whole controversy. Is he neglecting his training to be on this reality show? But I think they only, it's, sure it's, it's over fine. two weeks or something. How long does a big brother, Even, I want to know. We're doing the journalism that people are dying for right here. Uh, big brother, how long does it last? Okay, so sure oh, I got the, well, because Survivor, that would be really tough for you to do and compete because the toll it takes on you, know, you beach physically beach sessions yeah but the there's beach. times when they're not eating oh wait a minute hold on a second you must be willing to live in the big brother house located in los angeles for approximately 100 days on such dates to be determined by the producer all right oh wait hold on this is saying it's five hundred thousand, but that's for the regular big brother i'm so, sure for celebrities they come in they film then they go home sleep in their own beds in a hotel then come back and film and it's like kind of faked if I had to guess, I bet it's faked. Man, you are just. I'm sure they have their own. I bet you they're allowed to bring in their significant others. I bet it's like, all right, we're off like at nine o'clock. Okay. Now we can do our own thing. All right, we got to be on call again at 7 a.m. That's what I feel like. Happens. Okay, here we go. I, I, I got it. Everything is fake. TV's not real. No, no, no. You're not going to ruin this for me. <laughs> uh, it says in Celebrity Big Brother, instead of 90 days, they're less than three weeks. There you go. Okay. Research. Sounds good. That was that was a previous season. So we don't know. So we don't know. There so we we're not going to get Shakari yet on the indoor track. 
but we're going to get her on the big screen in a film and on the smaller screen in Big Brother. There we go. 250K. 250K. Previous winners are Marissa Jarrett Winokur and Tamar Braxton. Shakira should win this, the 250K, and then go post like a race like at a Diamond League or World Championship. Be like, you guys know Big Brother gave me more money than I got for winning this race and call out World Athletics. That'll be funny. Well, there's got to be an appearance fee. They're not showing up there for free, too. Yeah, two, yeah 250, 250K for three weeks' work. It's not bad. Not, not bad, bad at all. Next on the rundown, what do we got? Houston's going to Penn Relays. You want to talk about that? Penn Relays live on Flow Track, back on Flow Track. Uh, excited to have them. Penn, uh, Houston, one of the top four by one, four by two, four by four type schools out there. They're going to throw it down. Carl Lewis and Leroy Burrell love the, uh, the Penn Relays. Um, mm -hmm. they, they, they see a lot of uh, value in competing there. Um, not just like going to a local Texas Invitational or something like that. And so mm -hmm. they're going to go there and it's going to be fun and they're excited to be back and we're excited to watch them run, see who they, they, who they go up against, right? This will be the first time Penn Relays has mm -hmm. gone down since 2019 because 2020 got canceled, yeah. 2021 got canceled, 2022 we're back and Houston starts it off with a splash. There's some... I've been looking at some of the other teams that are there that haven't been announced yet, but we have yeah. some good distance programs coming. It's going to be a good meet. Like it's, it's, it's going to be exciting from all the way from the 100s all the way up to the miles. So I'm excited. I will also be there. If you look at my schedule, I will be in attendance and I'm very excited. I watch an old clips of the pen relays, just seeing the crowd. It's going to be awesome. And it was on my bucket list of things to do. And track and field and i'm i'm very excited yeah no no surprise houston's going to be there as you mentioned they have a, just a deep connection with the meet so i'm i'm thrilled to see them we have a workout coming out with them soon led by sean masongani who was in your rankings as a top 60 man indoors and then outdoors he'll be one of the best men in the ncaa in the in the one and the two Anything else happening? All sorts of things are happening, Gordon. Um, Tampa Eagle says, will Flow Track show all four days? All four days of the pen relays? Yeah. Well, I think there's only three days, but we will show all three. Yeah, show every race. Okay. Every single one. Even the okay. ones early, early in the morning. So long days, long three okay. days. It's a three-day meet, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So all three days. Anthony says he's going to be at the pen relays. So that's an opportunity for him to call you a clown in person. This is good. Now I'm even more excited to go to the pen relays. Than I that's this, is, this is going to be a, this is, we could, maybe we could do a podcast meetup. Would be, you'd be down to do that, Gordon? Well, not if it's just a, a clown session. I don't know if I want that. No, it's a, they tune in. They love you. They think you're a okay. They, they they kid because they love these. These are the the people that know you the best outside of your your friends and family. Gordon are the podcast listeners who choose to listen to you three times a week for an hour. I think we should do a meetup with just the podcast people. I do think it's interesting to have an hour conversation with you three times a week. I don't think I have like three hours worth of conversations with anyone in my life. <laughs> like consistent one, three individual true, one hour, obviously, except, except significant other. But like, you know, you're like number two in the conversation rankings in my oh, life. <laughs> That's a lot of pressure, first of all. Yeah. Second of all, but when you talk to your significant other, do you ever talk for just an hour straight? Usually there's at least some interruptions. Yeah, yeah there's definitely, yeah, you don't have an hour of conversation. That'll be, that'll be long. That's true. Because I can't talk to yeah, my wife one... for five minutes straight without one of my kids interrupting. So you actually might be number one on my list for continuous conversation, which now I'm worried about for both of our sakes. Yes. We're corrupting each other's brains. We need to, we need to change up. Yeah, we need to change up a little bit. So I had this idea to, uh, to chat about the uh, indoor season. Just in general, who needs a good indoor season? We talked, I talked about Brazier. He was the guy 
on the top of my list as a guy who a person who needs a good indoor season. Do you have anybody who you're watching for for indoors who you think is going to race frequently this year because they want to use indoors as a launching pad for the outdoor season? I mean, the person I think that everyone's probably thinking about that probably has the most like wants to have like kind of a an A season is Christian Coleman, mm. right? Coming off of mm. two year absence. Um I think it's not about like going undefeated and breaking world records or anything like that. I think he just wants to show, hey, I'm fit, I'm back, I can compete with the best. I may not win every race, but I'm gonna be darn close. I'm gonna make it to worlds, the world indoors, make it to the mm -hmm. world indoor final and finish top three. Like, and I think that will be a way for him to kind of cement himself. It's like, all right, I'm back, the rust is off, I'm ready to go into the outdoor season with the bye mm -hmm. and uh get it set up for returning to Eugene in, in, uh, in August or July. When is it? July. In July. July. I wrote down, I thought Constance Klosterhoffen would need a good, and we already saw her run um, that Texas A&M meet. Remember, she was a bronze medalist in, in 2019 and then only ran one race at the, the Olympics, fished, finished out of the medals. So I think she's someone who prioritizes indoors and also – Seems like she would want a bounce back season. What do you think about this one? I put the U.S. women's 1500 just in general. And my reason for that is that event is just getting quicker and quicker and quicker. With Faith Kipyegon, with when Safan Hassan runs, with Laura Muir, with Gudaf Sagai. Like the name, the depth is impressive. Puryear ran really fast last year, was out of the medals though in Tokyo. And I think it went in the course of two years because of Houlihan's suspension, Simpson not making the team. It it went from an event like, okay, the U.S. can for sure get three in the finals and they can get a medalist. And it just ramped up really quickly to being an event where it's really tough to get in the mix with, with Muir, with Kip Yegon, with Hassan, with the names that I mentioned. So I, I think... Every year we see a like fast Milrose performance in the mile or a fast performance at the Staten Island track. Like I want to see like a US woman take a take another step forward in the indoor season in that 1500. It's a good thought. I I haven't thought about that, but it's a good point with the whole the, the world has gotten faster and US is kind of taking a step back with age and obviously suspension of Shelby and it sounds like El Purier isn't taking a step back. I mean, she's running sub four, but yeah, it's like it's getting it's like now like your an off race needs to be like three fifty nine, and an on race needs to be like three fifty four. It's like yeah, just, everything's got shifted up a few seconds. So, um, yeah, I can it's see the same thing with the five and the ten. Like that's how the five and the ten was for the women too. Yeah, and this might be an opportunity, right? There might not be. You know, indoors is really weird. It's all about positioning it, uh, positioning, mm -hmm. positioning, and um, mm -hmm. crazy things can happen if you're if you're just not in the right position in the final two hundred. And this could be an opportunity yeah. for an American to work their way into a final and then just be in it with two hundred to go. And if it's not a three fifty pace race, like you can win it, mm -hmm. you can get, you can medal, right? So um, fifteen hundred is wild. I mean, you see. I remember like on the men's side in 2016 with Centro, Nick Willis, and I forget who else, but like they weren't running that fast. And then like that fact, it was all about who had the position. And like literally mm -hmm. you only had 25 or 50 meters to make a yeah. move because no mm -hmm. moves could be made in the, the final, the first turn of the final lap, the back stretch, you couldn't move, couldn't be made. The, the final turn of the last lap couldn't be made. You had to wait till you had like 30 meters left. <laughs> Which isn't a lot. I'm also thinking about events where the World Indoor Championships will be particularly competitive. And it's in Europe. And European athletes in general race indoors at a pretty high frequency. But that leads me to more field events. Is there an event you're thinking about in general where you think there'll be a high level of representation at Worlds? 
among the best. What do you, what do you mean by high level of representation? Of the top 10 in the rankings in an event, six are there. Okay, so a high level of participation. Representation yeah, seems like it's a very diverse, like we have one from every country type thing. No, I meant representation of the top 10 in the world. So, for example. I mean, pole vault. Actually, the men's, eight, right? men's 800 is a bad example because we don't even know. I tried to do the top 10 yesterday and I got a headache and now I need to, <laughs> now I need to like <laughs> delete all the spreadsheets I made. Yeah, pole vault would be one. And that's what I'm saying. Um, events where there's a heavy like European contingent, which the pole vault, not everybody is European, obviously, who's good. But you have a big number of people who are. That's a good one. I was thinking, if you get a thing good. mo, yeah, shots should still be good. If you get a thing mo in the 800, because here are my 800 rankings for the women, and these were hard to do as well, too. A thing mo, you get her. Hodgkinson, as I mentioned, maybe it being in Europe will be a draw. Raven Rogers, don't know. Kate Grace. I would think Kate, I have no idea, but maybe she'd want to do it because she had that good post-trials season and then wants to try to make a team. She's in the mix. Uh, Natoya Gould, run indoors before. Riki from Great Britain. Uh, Alemu, Almanza, Wilson, and then Alex Bell. Like, I could see of that top six, maybe three getting there. But every other event, it's a stretch. I mean, we, we, we know the 400 is going to be the 400 because... It's just you can't entice 400-meter runners to run indoors. It's not going to happen. We've given up on that. The 60 is a different event. High hurdles, maybe, but that requires you know Parchment, Holloway, Ortega. I think the hurdles will be – I think the hurdles will be legit on the men's side at least because I think Holloway's going all in on it. Um, and he, he loves the 60 hurdles, right? He has the world record in it. Uh, yeah, I mean, this this whole conversation is basically we kind of talking in circles here about the pros and cons of running indoor. And while most high school kids would love to do indoor if they had an indoor season, all college kids basically go all in on indoor, right? You don't see mm -hmm. someone be like, hey, I'm not going to really focus on indoor. They're at least do. I mean, you may have someone be like, I'm only doing the DMR, but they're yeah. still doing indoor. Uh, but at the pro level, like, you're going to – when when you get to the elite of the elite people like world medalists, sometimes they they uh, they punt to outdoor, and so yeah, every season, every time there's a world indoor championships, you think is this going to be legitimate one? Is this going to be a half legitimate? Mm -hmm. Is this going to be a fraudulent uh, world indoor championships? Um, I think at the end of the day, we put a lot of we put a lot of doubt in people showing up, but then I think we still get good fields. Like I, I'm pretty confident. When push comes to shove in March, there's going to be at least half of the people we want to be there there, which is a good number. I mean, half is a lot yeah. in my mind. I don't think it's going to be like only 10% yeah. of the talent is there. Like, I still think we're going to get at least half people there. So, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, let me just the pros of running indoor. You, you stay sharp. You, you can have a chance to win another medal. You, you got just. You, you kind of you don't overthink it, right? Mm -hmm. And then the cons of doing indoor are injury, overwork, like um, yeah. legs can get tired, and uh, you know just travel on your body. So if you, especially you're coming off an injury, you may not want to do indoor. The, the pros is it's it's easy to get a, a qualifying time indoor because you go to BU mm -hmm. and you can run that thing backwards and still get a world standard so there's a lot of pros and cons but hopefully most of these are athletes look at the pros and ignore the cons are you surprised more collegiate athletes don't punt on indoors there's no reason to punt no why would they punt because college, you go from about it you're like you go from college I mean, where you go from cross country where everything is about being conservative, managing expectations, keeping the race count low, keeping the effort low. And then you have this stretch over a couple months where you go indoors to outdoors where you have a national championship, you have to qualify, you have your conference meet. It's, it's a lot in a small period of time. 
and I know people use their red shirt strategically and a lot of the indoor season they're they're training through. I'd be interested to know how many like if you asked Morgan McDonald, for example, who won the three and the five that year in twenty nineteen, like how rested was he for that race? Like what was his training like leading up to indoors versus what it was in cross or what it was in outdoors? Because I just think the the taper cycle, the, hey, big workout, three weeks out, then we're going to, or two weeks out, and then we're going to bring stuff down. Like, eventually, you'd get out of shape if you do that in such quick success. Because then you got to get ready for this big time trial. You don't want to have tired legs there. You run out of opportunities to do workouts. So I, I wonder how some of these, these big-name athletes who are confident going in that they can win actually treat the indoor championships. Yeah, I know, like, Milt uh, at Stanford, I mean, he would treat it by saying, hey, we're not going to chase, uh, um, like, getting qualifying in the multiple events. We're just going to be like, all right, we're gonna, you're going to run a 3K and a DMR. DMR and 3K. Like, that's what Grant Fisher would always yeah. do. DMR, 3K, DMR, yeah. 3K. Grant Fisher wasn't out there trying to do a triple or anything like that. Um, and I think that was Milt's style of – all right, let's get Grant ready to have a really good 5K in the spring into the summer. Yeah. And maybe yeah. just like focusing on a little bit of speed work, but not doing, you know, prelims and finals of miles and stuff like that. And just kind of be a little more um, lackadaisical. Because you can still, you know, work on – I feel like maybe indoor season they're working on a little more speed in a, in a weird way. I know you think it would be base, mm -hmm. but like because mm – -hmm. A lot of times that's when you see a lot of these 5K guys really doing some miles, right, and doing DMR splits. Mm -hmm. uh, and, like, 3K, which is more of a speedy version of a 5K, right? A lot of times the best 5K yeah. runners don't do the 5K indoors, right? They do the 3K and a mile or DMR. like Right. So. Right. Yeah. There's one more story I want to get to. But before we do that, check in on the comments here. Adrian asks, you think Cole Hawker will take the next step? uh yes well what is the next step i mean i guess get fifth <laughs> instead of sixth at the world championships um yeah yeah i mean i don't know what his next i think he's already in his step right i don't think he has a next step to really go to i mean he won the olympic trials he's the fastest guy in the u.s so he's already taken that step now it's about just staying next step on medals. that step and not I'll, uh, I don't know. I'll say I'll say next step is medals. If someone gets sixth at the Olympics, you're going to say the next logical progression is getting on the podium, right? Well, yeah, that's not. I think he will medal eventually, but I'm, I'm I would put more money on him meddling in 2023 than in 2022. I know we can't resist the Centro Hawker comparisons. So Centro's last year at Oregon, of course, wins NCAA's, wins trials, then goes on and gets bronze in Daegu. 2012, he gets second in the trials and then gets fourth at the Olympics. So moved back just by one spot. But I think everybody was still really impressed because of just how young he was and able to adapt. I think everybody just – everybody – what's that? How old was Centro his first time he got bronze on Dega? He, he, he's born in 89. So he would have been almost 22 in Daegu, October of 89. I'm doing that yeah, correctly. Isn't Hawker like 20? Hawker's younger. Yeah, Hawker's younger. So yeah, he's still sure. a year or two before he gets his first medal. Yeah, but, but just the, the comparisons of him taking off out of, out of Oregon and then just getting on an incredible hot streak. I think everybody, when things go well, you take it for granted. And then when things go bad, you're like, oh, that's just an, an aberration. So. With how good the men's 15 is right now, I am even holding steady in sixth is success for him. It's going to be very tough to get on that podium and move away. Yeah. Up. Now, is he going to get better just by virtue of having a professional schedule versus a college schedule? I don't know. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes 
it doesn't happen. You'd think there'd be more of an improvement. Oh man, I don't need to run my conference meet. I'm going to be way better. But some athletes thrive in that sort of setting. And also when it's going well, one extra race in a low key meet, not the biggest of deal. Now, if you're running so much that you're getting worn out, that's a different story. But I think you also have to take into account the competition around him because he could get better, but everybody else could get better. Is Jakob Ingerbritsen getting slower? No, it's getting faster. Okay. You got to uh, like, play along with, with that's what's happening. It's getting sports. faster. Uh, is Timothy Chariot getting slower? Maybe. How old is he? Is he still young? I feel like he's been around forever. Yeah, he's 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 been around forever, but he's he's young. He's young enough. Let's just say and he's that. only twenty six. Well, I mean, yeah, he has yeah. like, I would say, three more years of prime. Okay, two and a half. but so is he getting is he getting slower? He's staying fast. He's not getting slower, okay. but he's also not getting faster. But he's gonna stay as a three twenty eight guy. All right, is Josh Kerr? Getting slower. No, he's getting faster. Yeah. Yeah. And that's everyone's that's getting the faster. Podium, no one's just... really getting slower. Yeah. It's true. Well, somebody's getting slower in that in that final, but that podium group looks pretty strong. And then that's not even including all the people that came after. I mean, Hawker ran a really strong six, but I don't think you could take for granted that it's gonna happen again in twenty twenty two. Um all right. One more story I want to touch on. This is a great Wednesday pod, by the way. They submitted a proposal. Yeah. Just a great flow to it, <laughs> top to bottom. Just not at all what I feared was going to happen. Uh, they submitted a proposal to equalize the, the race distances in, in simply cross country. Um, I saw this article in Women's Running, and the proposal was submitted by run equal. So what they're offering up, Gordon, is 8K for both. Now, we've talked about this several times, but it is interesting to see that a proposal's actually been submitted with some big names signing on. And it's not just changing one race distance, it would change both, the men's and the women's. The women would go up from 6,000 to 8,000, the men would go down from 10,000 to 8,000. You've talked to a lot of coaches, you're plugged in on the scene. What do you think the coach's response to this would be? I don't think the coaches want it because the coaches don't want to deal with change. There are a lot of female uh, female team coaches, so men or female, uh, coach, coaches who coach females who design their team around preparing for a 6K and they recruit for preparing for 6K. And on the men's side, there's a lot of coaches who prepare their men for 10K and recruit around getting them ready for a 10K. And I think there are going to be teams and coaches who are be like, we're at a disadvantage if we're running 8K versus 10K. And I think there's going to be yeah. teams and coaches on the women's side who are going to be like, we're at a disadvantage if you make our women run two more K. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, this, the best of the best will still win. Like, I don't think there's going to be that much of a change. But coaches don't like change, right? They, they like to keep it. This is what we do. It's, if it ain't broke, don't mm-hmm. fix it, right? Now, obviously, it is kind of stupid and weird that the women run a different distance than the men. I think mm-hmm. if they were, I also think, I think they should change it, but I don't think they should be running 8K. I think the women should be running a 10K, right? Both should be doing 10K. But that won't happen because then that's even a bigger change. Imagine going from a 6K one year and then all of a sudden you're running a 10K. You'd be like, whoa, I'm not ready for this. Uh, yeah. But, uh, I think the coaches are going to be hesitant because coaches don't like change. I don't think they're going to be hesitant because they want to keep it different for the because men need to run longer than women. No, I think they just like my athletes have been training for this distance. I don't want them to have to figure out a different distance because I feel like we have an, a competitive advantage at this distance. You know, so yeah, you, th- but at the end you of the day, think everyone is changing, so it's not like other teams get to stay at six k. They're all doing the eight k. So it's, yes. It's, Everyone is getting, have to, having to deal with the change, but, you know, mm. I think their status quo bias is what you're saying. Yeah. Even though it could benefit, because it's going to benefit some team if they changed it, because yeah. that's just how it works. Other teams lose, another team gains. 
but everybody's just thinking about the status quo and what they have on their team right now. And they're thinking we have this group that's set for 10K for the men and 6K for the women. I, I disagree with you a little bit. I like the 8K distance. I like a distance that Matt, like for even for the men at national championships, I know people will argue with me, but I want it to be the same all year or roughly around the same. I don't want it to go to the, the most important meet of the year and be like, ah, and we're adding an extra two kilometers, not an extra hundred, but we're actually adding an extra 2000 meters. I don't know if it'll help make people race more if you keep it shorter, probably not because people will just do what they're incentivized to do, which is run shorter distance. But I'm fine with, I'm fine with 8K. I think the best people are still going to find their way to the front of the pack. The 6K for the women is interesting because it is a different race. And you do have people who are in the mix who are better shorter distance runners, which I think is, which I think is fun. I mean, yeah, I, would I like to see them both at 8K? Sure. I, I'm with you, though. I don't think they will change it. I think they're going to keep it as is two distinct distances, despite it being quite strange when you look at it. Here's a question for you. If they were to change it and it would be implemented next year and the 2022 cross-country mm -hmm. championships are 8K for women. The women this past year went out through 4K in 13-13. Yeah. What are the odds that they would go out also in through 4K yeah. in 13-13 yeah. despite having two extra K? Yeah, uh, I think like they would run the same opening four. Yeah, they would still run the same opening four K, which is the funny part. Yeah, you gotta you gotta get out. I most of these courses multiple loops as well too. So, I mean, there's a psychological impact of just like part of some of some of cross country anybody who's run it knows is sometimes it's not even just the distance; it's just the the trying to stay engaged mentally for that long of a period of of time. Um, which is a challenge. I thought you were going to say if they change it this year, who would win? Which is a fun hypothetical. I think this. I think, I think the same. NC State's, BYU's, New Mexico's, Colorado's will all be the contenders. Same thing with on the men's side. NAU's, man, yeah. BYU's, yeah. You know, yeah. yeah because you don't see, see, like see with the men you have a point of comparison. The women you don't because they go and they say sixty all year. With the men you have a lot of races at eight k. It's not as if NAU goes to Nettycomb and falls flat on their face every year. Or yeah. Oklahoma State shows up to pre-nats and is lost. They're fine. They adjust to the race distance. In the same way, when Wesley Kiptu runs a 5,000 at NCAAs, he's pretty good. And then when he runs a 10,000, he's also pretty good. The events are close enough to where they will, they will adjust and, and be fine. I just think for the men... The race might be a little more exciting because there'd be a little bit more risk involved. People would take some more chances early on. And ultimately, I don't think it would change the character of the race and there would be a lot more consistency. That's, that's why I like it. Yeah, I mean, scores won't be as... I mean, I think the shorter the distance, the more chaos can happen on the men's side. Because yeah. a lot of the, the team scoring gets separated by 8K. Like... Yeah. Final 2K, there's a lot of pods and there's a lot of people running in no man's land and where, yeah. you know, you can run 10-second faster split than the guy ahead of you, but it doesn't matter because they had already had like a 12-second lead on you. So Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. But, Ultimately, though, I would be surprised if we see any changes. Remember back when Lincoln worked here, he's, he's, he always would say, every year there's a proposal for the coaches to change yeah. something. And then it never... Changes. Bring the miles to outdoor. That was a thing. Remember, they're gonna change the fifteen hundred. Yeah. Mile. Yeah, and then qualifying system always gets floated as let's change this way and super regional. They got the only plan they should be considering for cross country is the Gordon Mac season plan. Yes. Pre conference, 100%. pre regionals, pre nationals, pre everything. The Gordon Mac plan is is the way to go. You should super try to regionals. That. I'll also submit it. I can. Disguise myself as a that. random coach for like Phoenix University, something like that. Someone should. Well, you got enough contacts. Someone will forward your email on. I think. All right, we'll leave it there. Email just flowtrackpodcast at gmail .com. We might try to do the callers on Friday. So let's try. 
call in. All right. We'll tell you the instructions Figure on Friday. We'll see if it works. Uh, we'll also preview the weekend to come. Thank you to Colt. Thank you to Travis. Subscribe to the Flow Track Podcast YouTube channel. We'll see you on Friday. Thanks for tuning in.